The Nonprofit Hour, a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do-gooders, with interviews, profiles, and documentaries. This is the Nonprofit Hour program here on X-Ray FM. The show is brought to us by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. I'm Jason Dennington. On Oscar Sunday a week ago, we hosted the latest live recording event of the Nonprofit Hour show at the Waypost on North Williams. We are now recording shows live there once a month, and our next event will be on Sunday, April 3rd at 5 p.m. Audiences are welcome, so set the date to come on down and catch our live interviews and musical performances firsthand. At this month's show, our live audience heard Phil Bussey interview current city council candidate and founder of Reading Frenzy on Mississippi Avenue, Chloe Udaly. They spoke about her background in activism, the reasons why she is currently running for a seat on Portland's council, and the ways in which nonprofits and government interact to strive to make our city a better place to live for all. We are currently interviewing a number of candidates who are also running for city government this year, and we'll be hearing from them in upcoming episodes. Tune in to our next full episode of the show to catch Chloe Udaly's interview and her musical selections. Next up, Phil spoke to the artistic director of the Portland Gay Men's Chorus, Bob Menzel, about the history of the organization, their work in building common bonds within as well as beyond the LGBT community, and to bring people the entertainment, joy, and togetherness of choral performances. We also spoke to Portland musician Dave Fleshner about his work with the Men's Chorus over the years, and specifically about their upcoming live show at Reed College, titled The Blues, Backwoods to Broadway, and the inspiration behind some of its songs. At the Waypost, a sizable number of performers from the chorus treated us to live performances of a few of these songs. We also heard from Khalil Edwards, co-director, and Olivia Olivia, communications specialist of the PFLAG Portland Black Chapter about several programs that support LGBT youth of color, as well as a discussion about the unique experiences of LGBT persons from, for instance, the African-American, Latino, or Asian perspectives. We look forward to these new regular live show tapings and would like to see you all come on down and join us at the next event on Sunday, April 3rd at 5 p.m. Now we turn to the recording of our Nonprofit Hour live show at the Waypost on North Williams last Sunday, February 28th. Since the Portland Gay Men's Chorus treated us to a live performance that night, we'll start off with a song, and after that is Phil Bussey and the chorus's artistic director, Bob Menzel. Just coming from the piano. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. It's not you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, this, is, this is 
an impossible situation. <laughs> 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 yeah. Play that scene. Here we go. Everybody. One. Yeah. Two. And Stop all the clocks, cut off the telephone. Prevent the dog from barking with a juicy bone. Silence the piano with a muffled drum. Bring out the coffin, let the mourners come. Bring out the coffin, let the mourners It's the Nonprofit Hour. We are recording, uh, as we do every the last Sunday of every month, at the Waypost on North Williams. I am so glad to be joined. We have, we have. It's hard to see. This is this is radio, obviously, but it is a uh, small room, uh, not probably much bigger than your living room, listener. And and we have oh, a good 15 men who are crowded in here who will be joining on stage the Portland Gay Men's Course. Uh, we're first going to talk with uh, artistic director, though, Bob Menzel. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. <laughs> so, Bob, I, 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 we're going to start talking about you. Oh, God. So you, 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 you grew up in D.C. I was born in Salt Lake City, and then I escaped what they call the Zion Curtain. 
and I grew up in Washington, D.C. I, I was very interested, though. I mean, some of your background, you were the conductor of the Salt Lake Men's Choir, co-founder of the Salt Lake Choral Scholars. I have to imagine Portland is a much different scene or than, than, than much less Mormon, much more fabulous here? <laughs> uh, yeah, not quite as repressed. And every conversation doesn't end with um, a conversation about the Mormon church, which is really quite delightful. And, and uh, you're also, you're an academic. Uh, yeah, I use the name Robert for that, but yeah. <laughs> Robert Mensel is academic, Bob Mensel is performance. And I guess the upshot of that all is you're bringing a lot of different, you're bringing uh, probably some heady ideas to music, you're bringing some, uh, a, a, perhaps a different background uh, to, to singing. Uh, I mean, is, is that all being stirred into a pot? Or what are your influences and how is that playing out in the current Portland Gay Men's Course? Well, I think one of the fundamental principles that I have is the importance of the individual singer and the community of singers and the community in which we live. And so the concert coming up, which we'll sing a couple of tunes from, are one of our really fabulous manifestations of that because it's all original music written mostly by Mr. Dave Fleshner. And uh, then also two songs by members of the chorus. Uh, and then some invited guest artists, United by Music, which is a fabulous music group uh, dedicated to giving opportunities to learn blues music to developmentally de delayed adults. Uh, wonderful, uh, wonderful group, and we're mixing it together, and so it really is all about bringing together this community of musicians. So, and, and which is a great way to introduce the broader topic of Portland Gay Men's Chorus. Um, how long have you guys been around? The Portland Gay Men's Chorus is uh, the fourth oldest gay-identified chorus in the world, and we are uh, had our first rehearsal in May of 1980, and I've been here 20, going on 23 years. So uh, there were uh, two permanent conductors before me. So we've been around a long time. And, and what about the history uh, still seems relevant in terms of why the course came together, why it came together in Portland? Well, I think all of the reasons it came together in the first place, which was um, they were inspired, a group of men in Portland, uh, Gary Coleman, Steve Fulmer, uh, they were inspired to come together uh, because they heard a performance of the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus. And the roots of many of these choruses were that guys wanted to come together in some place other than a bathhouse and a bar. And so they came together to sing. and. Um, San Francisco led the way in 1978, and we followed in 1980. And, and so it, it's always had a social, but also a political, um, an activism component, but it's also always been an arts group. And we continue to balance those, although in the recent history of the chorus, just for many reasons, one of which has been the development of the gay community, um, we, we enjoy rights now that were not even thinkable 35 years ago. And so we now hedge more toward an arts group, and which is mo where most of our funding comes from. But we still have always that, those roots of activism, and we love to go out into rural Oregon or rural Washington and really sing because the, um, 
we take uh, for granted sometimes the uh, privileges that we have being living in Portland, and other people don't have the privilege to be so out and open. Can you, can you talk about one of those concerts uh, that, that you've done out in Antelope, Oregon, or, or, or someplace, and, and uh, one, even how you were invited to sing there, and then also in terms of maybe crowd reaction and, and, and hopefully changing attitudes? Well, um, I guess my favorite story is Pendleton, Oregon. So uh, the first time we went to Pendleton uh, in the last decade, or a little more than a decade now, about decade, was fall of 2005. And uh, we were invited to do there by the PFLAG chapter. And uh, when we went there, they had such a struggle to get any publicity about us. Um, we had 80 members in the audience. Uh, three businesses would put up posters of us, and um, but we had a really great time. We sang a concert, and our competition down the street was caged wrestling. I mean, what could be better? <laughs> Hot boys, wherever you went in Pendleton. <laughs> we went out to dinner that night, and the uh, what's the the roundup had just left, and the waitresses said we were far more polite, not so as handsy as the um, some of the attendants at the. The, the Pendleton Roundup. Um, but it was a wonderful experience, and so we went back again in 2012. So we arrived this afternoon, that afternoon in 2012, I think it was April or May, and the first thing is we're greeted at the Methodist Church there, and the ladies' auxiliary comes out, and they have made soups for everyone. And so the whole chorus goes into the Methodist Church, and we have soup. And then we go and sing a concert, and the mayor is there, and 300 people are there, and the city council is there. And every business in town had a poster of the Portland Gay Men's Chorus in the window. And we asked later, well, what was the difference? And they, what made the difference? She said, it was you. And I said, what do you mean? She said, when you came the time before, people started talking about gay and lesbian issues, and they had never done it. And suddenly, those 80 people that heard you the first time said, this was really great music. We did a, a really serious piece of music. And um, you need to hear them next time they come back. And so now we go back, and it's full, and everyone loved us. And um, Vicki Reed, who organized it, she's a wonderful activist in um, Central Oregon, she said, it was the Portland Gay Men's Chorus that changed the conversation in Pendleton, Oregon. I mean, that, that, I mean, that's wonderful. I mean, I think so often uh, arts or music can be uh, some of the best ambassadors for social change. Um, insights why that is? Well, the old saying is it's really hard to fear a choir. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it really is. I mean, uh, you know, going back to my own roots, um, my model for, for how I think to use the choir comes directly from my roots, which some of you, I've never told this to a large group, so here you go, is the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Because the Mormon Tabernacle Choir understands the power of choral music and just standing there. Because Mormons, uh, we could have a whole other discussion on why I think it's very odd that they side on some of the issues, social issues that they do, but they were very oppressed and um, they were a political uh, 
whipping stuff, whatever the word is, um, for, for a long time. And it was, it was a trip of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir in 1996 to the Chicago World's Fair, it might have been 1906, that um, they realized that the Tabernacle Choir was their single biggest uh, propaganda piece. And, um, and so they have developed that choir into this amazing musical organization that sings around the world and you can argue Mormonism, but it's really hard to take offense to the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. And so I think they really are the models for me. So there you have it. This, this is the nonprofit hour. I'm, this is Phil Bussey, the host. I'm talking with Bob Menzel, who is the artistic director of Portland Men's Gay Course. Um, we're going to get to a couple songs here in a moment. Uh, I do want to talk, you've been talking about how the course is, a, is an ambassador uh, for the community outside, but it's also had a very, internally for uh, the gay men's community, it's, it's had a very important role, and unfortunately some of that has been about AIDS and HIV. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, I, I want to backtrack. I want to quote um, our wonderful marketing director uh, who last night quoted me by saying, we are the Portland Gay Men's Chorus we're a men's chorus, but we're not a boys club. And it's really all about the mission and bringing people together uh, around that mission. And it is uh, a chorus full of diversity. We have women, we have transgender, we have straight men uh, who come to sing. And some don't sing, they support, they're on the board. Um, so we have a wonderful history in that regard. And we also have a... Um, a very complex history with uh, the AIDS epidemic. Um, I believe that we are the most impacted by AIDS of any, uh, any chorus. And across our history, uh, we've had 130 men pass to AIDS. Uh, so it, it is uh, deep within our history. Um, we, once a year, um, we do uh, publish the names of those who have uh, died. And, um, and we do that at our Pride concert. And um, the world has changed since 1990. Um, in my first three years, 60 men died in three years from 1993 to 1996. And then it, it just slowed down. And so now we have a whole bunch of guys in the chorus that have never known anybody inside the chorus to die from AIDS. So that just creates a whole different um, uh, sense of community, but we are dedicated not to forgetting our past. Um, yeah, and I, I think you had said right at the beginning of the interview that, that some of the purpose, or at least the issues, are changing, um, you know, and, and that it, this has moved maybe more into an artistic or, organization, if, if not just in the funding, but also in, in the function. Well, yeah, but we are, uh, our mission, give me a chance to recite that, the Portland Gay Men's Chorus aspires to expand, redefine, and perfect the choral art through eclectic performances that honor and uplift the gay community and affirm the worth of all people. So our mission is the music, but it is music with a very specific intention. It is not to simply entertain, although 
let's face it, who's more entertaining, especially the June show, oh my gosh. Uh, the blue show coming up is gonna be totally wild, it's gonna be in cabaret style. I mean, we do, we're very entertaining because we, we, do, uh, we do music that is relevant to today. We're not, uh, bless their heart, and it's a great thing because I love classical music, but um, most of our music is not by dead composers. Um, it's a very living body of music. You know, and, and I can't think of a better setup for having a couple songs sung right here live at our uh, last Sunday of the month recording at Way Post on North, North Williams. Thank you. Do you
This is the Nonprofit Hour on X-Ray FM. Uh, that was a fantastic song from uh, Portland's Gay Men's Choir Course. Um, and I'm joined with uh, Dave Fleshner, who is who's not one of the singers, but uh, definitely you heard him there playing piano. Tell me a little bit about what that song that we just heard was. Uh, I think uh, we just played that night on the rooftop, and uh, it's sort of a love song, I guess, about uh, <laughs> you know lost love, <laughs> and and a, a, a fine line. Uh, and that is part of the, the Blues Backwoods to, to Broadway show that's coming up. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, that, that one's a little bit gospel flavored. Uh, there's a lot of American roots in, uh, in all the music throughout the show. And uh, I find the tradition linked to gospel and blues. And, uh, and you wrote uh, the bulk of the music for this show. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Including that last song? Yes. Excellent, yeah. excellent. And, and, and um, let's talk a little bit, Dave, Dave Fleshner. You are part of the chorus, but you're not a singer. Well, or, I've I, been working with the chorus for years. In fact, it was Dale's partner, or, I'm sorry, Bob's partner, Dale, that introduced me to Bob because Dale and I had worked together on a theater show, and he was the vocal director and I was the music director. So he introduced me to Bob, and uh, so I've worked with the chorus for many years doing uh, mostly instrumental arranging, actually, not too much vocal arranging. Bob usually handles that or some other wonderful composer. Uh, but I've done a whole bunch of arranging for him. I've also played in the pit orchestra for the Beatles show and the Christmas show, and uh, I worked with him very closely on a 12 Dances of Christmas, which was... Uh, amazing fun and a lot of hard work and is actually one of my favorite clips on YouTube that you can find and, and <laughs> of you're, the PGMC. You're, you're a full-time musician. You've worked with some big names, B.B. King, uh, Steve Miller. Um, I mean, you're... I've had an opportunity to play with, with both those gentlemen, yes. And it was mostly through um, uh, my work with Curtis Salgado. I was in that band for six years, and so I've toured actually all over the world with him and with other singers, uh, including Earl Thomas, who's uh, going to be the guest vocalist at the uh, blues uh, performance coming up. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. And, and, and uh, one of the things that the Portland Gay Men's Course uh, bills is that you guys play eclectic uh, music. Can you talk about what, can you put a definition on what eclectic means to you all? Well, I have a variety of influences, just like Bob does. Uh, I wouldn't say they're all the same, but um, but we I think we both appreciate and like a diverse group of uh, styles. So I would say you'll hear a lot of blues. You'll hear a little bit of jazz. I do have a jazz background in my education. So, uh, but in performance, I perform a lot of blues and soul. And I like to say American Roots music because it sort of encompasses everything but classical music <laughs> to me, which is not my strongest suit. Although I do uh, teach, so I, I'm familiar with, and I listen to the classical station all the time. So I, I love classical music too, it's just not my forte. And you have a, you have a show, there's an upcoming show, uh, The Blues Back Backwoods Broadway. Can you just talk a little bit about this? How did this idea come about? Uh, and and where's, where are you polling from and, and what are you hoping to present with the show? Well, I had mentioned that singer Earl Thomas and I've been working with him for years and originally I had pitched 
a couple of my original songs to him to try to get him to put them on a record. I'm a songwriter, so I'm trying to get other people to record my songs as well. Not, um, and uh, he heard them and said, you know, this isn't typical blues material. It's very blues oriented, but it sounds like Broadway material. You know, it's a little uh, more, I don't know, highfalutin, educated or something. <laughs> so it, it's, it's, uh, um, I, I, I don't want to sound pretentious, but it, um, but because I like all these other styles of music, they definitely in, influ, uh, infuse the, the blues elements of the song. So anyway, Earl had uh, said, let's do a Broadway production. And I contacted Bob, actually, to ask him for some other singers so that we, it wasn't just, you know, a typical band you know, fronting a, uh, or with a, with a, with a single singer in front of it. We wanted a gr uh, more of a group aspect to it. And Bob sent me, uh, several wonderful singers, uh, one of whom's here tonight. I think I saw out there, Jimmy, J uh, uh, Jimmy Wilcox and Billy Mixer. And, um, we worked on this record and, uh, Bob came out to support us and, uh, saw the show and liked the music and asked us if we'd be interested in doing a, BGMC concert, and I th said, of course. <laughs> and and when when is this upcoming show? Can you just give the details for that? So uh, that can Saturday, attend? March nineteenth at eight o'clock, and Sunday, March twentieth at three. And and tickets are available on online at the uh, Portland Gay Men's Course website, or where's 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 the venue? It's the Call Auditorium at Reed College. Oh, and wonderful! It's PGM. That the the pdxgmc.org PDX PDX is where you can find the tickets. More information. And as as well, the the concert uh, the the show is in collaboration with United by Music. That's right. United by Music is uh, an organization dedicated to promoting the performances of differently abled individuals, and uh, we we've played at the. I, I happen to be the musical director for that group too, and at the particular concert that Bob saw us performing at, I had invited one of the guests, uh, the artists from United Way Music, to come up and uh, do a guest performance, and uh, that was David Hutzler, I think. And so we we have uh, included United by Music in this performance, and um, uh, it's really fun. It's really inspiring to see these music. It's been amazing for me. I don't have a background necessarily in dealing with uh, differently abled people, but there's, um, you know, we have some blind artists, some um, autistic, and uh, just different um, uh, different abilities. But the amazing thing to me is how musical they really are and how amazing they can be. And it's not really any different, because people ask me, they're like, well, how do you deal with these, uh, with these different types of artists? And I said, well, it's not really dealing <laughs> different than dealing with any other type of artist. We all have our issues, so. <laughs> and, and, and because this is the nonprofit hour, I'll give it the shout out too. It's United by Music. They are yet another uh, Portland-based uh, nonprofit. Oh, they're actually worldwide. And oh, United okay. by Music, in, in fact, we're we're going to Amsterdam for the. They started in the Netherlands, so we are uh, United by Music North America, and we're a, just a Portland chapter, actually, of a greater organization. And I think their website is ubmna.com. United by Music. 
PacificNorthAmerica.com. Uh, and this is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Hour on X-Ray FM. I'm talking to Dave Fleshner, who is talking about Blues, the Backwoods to Broadway show that's coming up, which is uh, working with Portland Gay Men's Course. And we're going to have, uh, we're going to keep the music going here with uh, a, a third song from Portland uh, Gay Men's Course. And and uh, Dave Fleshner, this, this is a song you wrote, and uh, it needs a little bit of a setup. <laughs> <laughs> well, um... You know, this is a fun song, and uh, it's absolutely uh, not true at all, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend who had... Uh, is that air quotes around friend? <laughs> air, air, air quotes. Uh, this, this, you know, there's some fiction and there's some truth in any art, right? So this is... This was a response to a friend of mine who said, there's not enough novelty songs in the world. And so I actually was inspired because my kids listen to a lot of pop radio. And uh, it's not necessarily always my choice to go to the pop radio. But there was some epic party song. And uh, I thought, well, you know, the blues needs like, you know, a party song. I mean, there's lots of blues party songs, but I thought that's that, that was sort of my mission. But of course, I'm a little too dark to just write a party song. It had to, <laughs> it had to have a twist. Well, so that's what this song's about. Our, our listeners are very curious. Let's let's give a listen. In. Here we go. Is that the cool this right there? going to a party. Swingers fall. You won't be coming home with me tonight. 
remember in the original, it's a boy and a girl. <laughs> this is Chill Bussy. It's the uh, nonprofit hour. We are recording. It is our last Sunday of every month. We record live. I am so pleased to be joined by two members of P Flag, Portland's Black Chapter, uh, Khalil Edwards and Olivia Olivia. Welcome, both of you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah. Hi. And and, and let's um so so P flag uh, it's, that's a that's an alphabet soup. Uh, can one of you tell me what P flag stands for? So um, P flag actually went through nationally went through a name change, and so it's just the um, it's no longer an acronym. So it did used to stand for parents, friends, and families of lesbians and gays, but in an effort to kind of be to modernize the the work and the organization and also to be more inclusive of the full LGBTQ lesbian gay bisexual transgender queer um, spectrum they uh, have changed um, and we have changed to just be PFLAG with that name recognition um, as as an organization in Portland Black chapter and and um Talk to me, so national organization, but then there are individual chapters. Uh, and uh, There are a couple in Portland? Yeah, so we are a part of a family of chapters in Portland. Um, it's PFLAG Portland, PFLAG uh, East County chapter, PFLAG Washington County chapter, which they're um, first, um, they're just starting and they're going to have their first event, um, kickoff event on April 21st um, in the Beaverton area. So hopefully folks can support that and go check that out. And then we have the Portland Black chapter. And so we're all a family of chapters that uh, work together to do the work throughout this area um, of our of PFLAG. Yeah, and, and we're, the we're the nation's first black chapter. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And, and so talk to me about the history of this specific chapter then. So first being how long ago did this start? Uh, 2009. Yeah, we started in 2009 uh, and we started not necessarily knowing that we were the first and then you know we found out later that Little Old Portland had the first black chapter, um, African-American specific chapter, PFLAG, which was really which was surprising and also very exciting. But uh, we started in 2009 and it really started as, you know, understanding that there was a need within our um, community, within the black community to have kind of specific resources and specific outreach um, and culturally appropriate work to do the work of PFLAG and to really support um, black LGBTQ folks uh, throughout the Portland area. And so it started with uh, folks with uh, some leadership uh, with folks from PFLAG, uh, the president, current president of PFLAG Portland, Don Holt, um, and other leadership uh, really starting to reach out and have conversations with folks in the community. And one of the founders is actually my mom, Antoinette Edwards. And so she's the co-founder of PFLAG Portland Black Chapter. And I got involved um, soon after that, after the chapter was founded. I, I, mean, I think that's really interesting. I mean, why why not just expand uh, the existing Portland chapter to to include to have a broader base of programs or interests? We why why was there a feeling that there was a specific need? Yeah, I think similarly with uh, other chapters that we have, it's just when, d depending on geographically or identity specific, r being able to really fully meet the needs of the community you're trying to serve. And, you know, people like Portland just noticed that there were no folks of color and there weren't black people coming to their meetings. And it wasn't about, oh, come to our meetings. We w just need to invite more people. It was really about shifting the programming and having the programming that really understands who we are as a black LGBT community and 
creating programming, having programming that meets those needs. Um, and so that's going to look different for, you know, many different communities and, and many different parts of the state and parts of the city where folks are at. And so it's really about meeting folks where they are and making those adjustments to making sure that we are able to carry out our mission that's going to really be inviting and inclusive and respectful of the, all the different identities that we hold. Yeah, I, I have to imagine that, that P-Flag uh, Houston or P-Flag Bend uh, is, has very different demands or, or needs that it's, it's providing. When, when you're talking about programs, can, can we talk a little bit more specifically what that means uh, and, and how that looks? Okay, so we have our faith outreach program and that, that work is to really increase the number of welcoming and affirming uh, faith houses in the black community. And so some of that work looks, looks like us working with black faith leaders uh, to talk about these issues and to engage in conversation discussion to really um, move them and educate them and support them and be and being supportive um, and making sure that we are having welcoming faith um, houses for folks in our community knowing that as black people and as black LGBTQ folks as well, that we um, are very much tied to our spirituality and that's a very, really a big cornerstone and big piece of who we are and um, our connection to the community. We also have our youth outreach program and that work is to really serve um, LGBTQ youth, uh, black LGBTQ youth and um, LGBTQ youth of color. And some of that work is us being at Gay Straight Alliances um, in schools and predominantly schools with a high black population. Um, us providing small mini grants to LGBTQ youth groups, uh, GSAs or other youth groups like Smirk and other places. Um, us really doing a lot of training and education with school faculty and in administrators to really ensuring that we have safe schools that really meet the needs of black LGBTQ youth and students. Um, and also us um, having programming for youth. Um, so whether it's partnering with other organizations to support um, things like the Oregon Career Youth Summit or GSA summits or the programming. We relaunched the first ever LGBTQ youth specific programming at Portland Parks and Recreation and that's at Matt Dishman um, and that started out as a weekly uh, Thursdays 4 to 6 at Matt Dishman and uh, that was launched in 2013 and it has um, been super successful and that it's now two nights a week at uh, Matt Dishman and we are also expanding to three sites one at Montevilla um, and a third site that um, our youth coordinator has the details um, but we're, so we're launching that into three sites which is really exciting. You guys are busy. Yeah, um, and just really quickly, our other programming is our policy and advocacy uh, work, which really ensures that we are looking at the ways that um, policy and um, um, policy and advocacy that impacts our community and different issues that impact Black LGBTQ folks. Uh, and whether that's working in coalition on issues and really galvanizing our community around issues that um, impact us deeply or whether it's leading issues um, ourselves as an organization, um, some of that work has looked like uh, raise the wage, uh, ban the box, and profiling, uh, working on the marriage campaign and uh, other issues that, that impact us um, around data and data equity. Um, and we also have our member support, which is kind of the heart of PFLAG. It's where we have monthly 
uh, space for folks to come together and have fellowship and just be in a safe space and network with each other. And we also uh, talk about different topics and issues and, and provide some education to uh, folks in our community as well as, well as parents, fam friends, families, and allies of the community to really connect together in this movement of the work that we're doing. And, and Olivia, how, how did you get involved with uh, PFLAG? Um, I got involved with PFLAG uh, Portland Black Chapter originally actually reporting on the story of their group being here in Portland, just being the first black chapter uh, during Portland Black Pride last year, summer of 2015. Um, I started to engage with them and I found that I needed that support and community that I didn't even know existed necessarily as largely as it did here. The more I learned, the more I got involved and I eventually uh, applied for a position as their communications specialist in fall and I started um, January 2016 helping them out along with our new um, development coordinator, Samantha Taylor. So the organization has doubled this year. It went from uh, Khalil here and our youth coordinator, uh, Layla Hofstein, to four people. So it's a pretty big growth for a small organization. And, and is uh, that sometimes growth can be in response to uh, a need or a demand or growth can be in response to uh, just providing more programs? I mean, are, are you seeing that the, the larger you grow, that the more uh, families, friends, uh, kids that you're working with, uh, or, or is it just that you're able to expand those services farther? I think there's definitely what I would call like a, a kind of cultural refugee that's coming to Portland from other parts of the country. People who are queer or trans, especially black queer and trans people who are in other parts of the United States and other parts of North America are moving to Portland um, and they're moving to big cities and that's a big trend that we're seeing uh, across the country. So a place like Portland that's relatively accepting compared to like, okay, maybe you grew up in Kansas or Nebraska or Oklahoma and you have some trouble there. Portland is a place that'll have some trans and queer resources um, and we're seeing more young people who might be in this community or need these community needs coming to this city. I think in recent years, especially maybe in the past year and a half, explosively. And and you know there there was a big uh, it, it gets better campaign a few years ago. Um, is it getting easier, uh, or or is it just as difficult? Uh, I mean, is it getting easier for families, for friends, for for teenagers, uh, or is it just as difficult for each individual when he or she comes out or comes to to terms? Um, is it still just as difficult? No, I think it's definitely, um, you know, perceptions are changing, culture is shifting, and so I think that, you know, as time goes by and the work that we continue to doing, that we are seeing that things are getting better for people and that, the, you know, uh, around the experiences that folks are having, you know, those are changing over time. And, you know, we still see really you know, huge disparities and, um, issues that folks are facing, but also, you know, we've seen have, that has changed over time in, in tremendous ways. And so I think that it's due to um, a lot of different factors, but um, I think that we see nationwide and here in Oregon and here, especially in Portland, uh, you know, you get outside of Portland and the experience can look a lot different. And definitely folks still have a hard time with a lot of different issues here in Portland, but things are definitely better, whether it's the laws that have passed or, you know, the, the, the work that's happening. Um, 
um, around some of the decision makers within the city of Portland that are making things better or the community work that's happening or just, you know, our culture shift on what the folks see are uh, talking about at their dinner table and seeing in the news and seeing in the media, um, you know, more folks, high profile folks uh, coming out and being public about all of who they are. Um, all those all those different factors help to kind of change the, the experiences that folks have day to day. Well, I was going to say, I think it, in many ways it is getting better, but I would choose to say something like it's getting different because there are certainly improvements in the conditions that people of color who, are, who identify as queer or trans are experiencing um, in places like Portland. I think that they're facing new and increasingly um, unexpected challenges, like as the housing crisis develops or as uh, employment uh, you know the price of the price of living everything that comes with being a young person who's coming out and a lot of that visibility is really helpful but you can also see how it can sometimes backfire even with hyper visibility like whenever we have a high profile person coming out there's a lot of talk and like articles that come out slamming those people as well and that can be hurtful to people who belong to those identities so it's just kind of changing. I would say there's a lot of improvement, but there's also a lot of change. And we definitely still have a long, long way yeah. to go. I mean, we, we still see, as I was saying, we still see a lot of, you know, deep disparities within our community. Um, if you check out the, some of those are highlighted in the report we did in 2012 called Lift Every Voice. And uh, we, what we partnered with, with the Urban League of Portland and in the new report, State of Black Oregon, that we also worked with the Urban League of Portland on um, the 2015 report, it, it kind of highlights the, that when you look at the multiple identities that folks face, like um, the the impact of, of folks' reality is gets even um, more stark around the experiences that they're having. And so, and especially when we look at uh, black trans women, especially uh, within the city of Portland, um, it's really a state of emergency for folks and um, there's still a long way to go. And, and uh being a pioneer, Portland Black chapter of PFLAG, uh, does that mean that you are called on to help other communities start up uh, a, a black tra chapter in, in other cities? Um, yeah, we, um, we've definitely been a resource, um, you know, working with PFLAG National, and we get uh, reached out to by uh, different uh, folks within their community in different states trying to recreate what we've um, had the you know opportunity to be so successful at here and um, and other chapters that work within communities of color also reaching out to just um, get support around you know how we um, do our work and, uh, and and so we're always really happy to engage with those folks and we provide a lot of support technical assistance and uh, guidance and best practices to uh, many different folks um, around the country in trying to move this work forward. Khalil Edwards and Olivia Olivia, thank you both uh, for, for joining us in the Nonprofit Hour and, and thank you for all the work that you do. People want to find out more about PFLAG, Portland Black Chapter. Where can they go or where can they show up? We are everywhere. <laughs> yeah, we're on Twitter. We have a new Twitter, so please follow us. We're PFLAG PBC on Twitter. That's P-F-L-A-G. P-B-C. <laughs> and we're also on Facebook. You can follow us on two pages. We have a Portland Black Pride page just for all the information surrounding our new Pride events, which also doubles as a location for you know festivities and that kind of stuff in Portland. And we have a more advocacy-based um, page for Portland PFLAG Black Chapter. It's just PFLAG Portland Black Chapter. 
And our website um, is uh, pflagpdx.org. Um, and you guys have a song to take us out on? Yeah, so we picked the song. I don't know how many of you are Empire fans. Uh, so we picked the song from Empire, uh, You're So Beautiful. And, you know, I think this song speaks to us and who we are as P-Flag Black Chapter, just that we all are beautiful in all of who we are and all the ways that we are and all the different um, ways that we come into this world. And we just need to be happy and proud and celebrate that in, the, in all the ways that we can. Thank you for joining us. Sometimes you feel insecure Trust me, babe, I understand Even with no manicure Just know that I still hold your hand you look so good when you walking by Sexy thumbs in every size Keep wearing that You ain't playing You got yourself a new man That's Kanye's workout plan I call that baby fat Cause your show look good to me, I think You're so And I like it.
Come now to the end of this week's Nonprofit Hour show. The show has been produced and edited by myself, Jason Dennington, and is recorded at the production studios of X-Ray FM. You can follow us on Facebook or via our Twitter handle at Nonprofit Hour and find archives of past shows on our SoundCloud page. We'd like to thank our guests on the show this week, Bob Menzel and Dave Fleschner, as well as all of the members of the Portland Gay Men's Chorus who came out to sing for us. Khalil Edwards and Olivia Olivia of P-Flag Portland Black Chapter, and Chloe Udaly of Reading Frenzy, who is currently running against Steve Novick for a seat on the city council. Tune back in for our next regular episode to catch her full interview with Phil Bussey. As always, if you head to our SoundCloud page, we will have posted an archive recording of the full and complete show with unedited interviews and all of the music from our live show. I encourage you to check that out. We'd also like to thank the Media Institute for Social Change, our regular hosts, Phil Bussey and Julie Falk, KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM, and most of all to you, our regular listeners. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you have a great week, and join us again next week at noon on Monday for the Nonprofit Hour Show.